new staff to crew, and I am so excited to be here with you guys. The Lord has done incredible things in my life to get me here, and I am so pumped to be with you and to get to know all of you more. So, just a little bit about me. I've met some of you guys, but I haven't met a lot of you, so I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. But I actually am from Colorado Springs, so I grew up here, went to Coronado High School. I don't know if any of you also went to Coronado High School, but I went to Minnesota for college. So I went to Concordia College. I studied music education. I played violin. So that's kind of what I did. But after college, I just decided that like I, God had more for my life. And so I did an international internship with crew, and then I did a stateside internship with crew up there. Then I taught for a little bit after, and now I'm here. So there's a lot that has gotten me here. Um, but I'm so excited. A couple other fun facts about me. I obviously love music. I was a music major. I also love coffee. Um, I love exploring the outdoors. And I love travel. That is one of my favorite things ever. So a couple years ago, I actually had the opportunity to spend some time in China. And if you're in China, one of the most iconic things that you have to do while you're there is visit the Great Wall of China. It's pretty awesome. I think we have a picture up there. Beautiful, breathtaking. So as I was preparing for this trip, we had all these grand plans. We we're like, I want to take, I want to make the most of this experience. So when we finally got there, we got all the way up to the wall, and some of the friends that I was with, they literally brought running shoes because they had this idea that they were going to go for a run down the Great Wall of China. I thought they were crazy. That sounds crazy to me, but. I guess that's what they wanted to do. But we wanted to make the most of the experience, and it's kind of a wild ride. You can kind of see on there, it goes up and down, and it winds all around. And the stairs, like, they're not even. Some of them are triangles, some of them are rectangles, some of them are this big, some of them are this big, and they're not even, like, level. Like, they're, like, slanted. So it's, like, it's a crazy time. So we're going, and we're going, and we go on for a while, and we're like, oh, gosh, we just, we got to keep going. So you see how there's like these watchtowers? We're like, okay, if I just get to the next watchtower, then I'll be satisfied with my Great Wall of China experience. But then you get to one next tower, or one watchtower, and you see there's just another one, and then another one, and another one. And it goes on and on and on and on, and it keeps going. So eventually we decide, okay, this is long enough. I've seen enough of the Great Wall and we decide to turn around. But I decided to look up how long the Great Wall of China is, and it blew me away. The Great Wall of China is 13,171 miles long. It's so long, and I walked about one mile of that. Like, literally one mile, a very short distance. Now, if I had been super ambitious and I was like, I'm going to run a marathon, or even walk a marathon, because I can't run a marathon. If I, had, if I had walked a marathon 26.2 miles, that is literally 0.2% of all of the Great Wall of China. Not even 2%, 0.2% of the entire Great Wall of China. Now, if I was feeling lazy, and I wanted to ride in a helicopter down the length of the Great Wall of China, it would have taken me, without any stops, so this is probably not even possible, it would have taken me about 183 hours, or literally an entire week of nonstop flight to go down the entire length of the Great Wall of China. Another way that I think is helpful to put it in a little perspective 
If you take the entire width of the United States of America from east to west, you gotta take that times five. And that's the length of the Great Wall of China. It's wild, it's so big, I cannot comprehend how long it is. Now in a similar way, we fail to see the reality of eternity before us, and we don't live in light of it. If the Great Wall of China, or the United States times five, was multiplied by infinity, that's how long eternity would be. And our time on this earth would maybe represent that one mile that I walked. Even though it felt so long, like I was sweating and dying on that one mile, but it's so short in comparison to everything else. So we've been in a series called Marks of Discipleship recently, talking about what are the things that mark the lives of people who follow Jesus. And so tonight, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about living with an eternal perspective, what that means and how we can live in light of that reality. So our hope tonight is to see that because eternity is long and our lives are short, we should live in light of what really matters. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will jump in. Yeah, Lord, we, we love you, God. We cannot comprehend your goodness. We cannot comprehend your graciousness, and yet we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you brought us here um, and all the things that you've done in our lives. And Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts tonight, that you would move and you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would be moving and working. Um, and Father, help us to see, help us to understand, and even be pressing on our hearts things that we can be doing um, to really see and understand what it means to live in light of eternity. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So, what exactly is an eternal perspective? It's simply living your life and making your decisions based off of how it will affect you and others for the sake of eternity and instead, uh, instead of for this lifetime. So we're going to go ahead and jump into God's word. He has some really awesome things to say about this topic. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 14. If you're using one of those blue Bibles on the table, that's page 562. Or if you have your own Bible, it's about three quarters of the way through. So 2 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 18. Here's what it says. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us, into, bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So there's a lot of really awesome stuff in that passage. And so we're going to kind of break it apart. And our hope is to draw three truths about what it looks like to live in light of eternity. So the first one we're going to dive into is that Jesus has actually gone before us 
and secured our eternal reality. So in verse 14, it says, He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. So this same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, us who have trusted in Christ. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is crazy to me, like trying to actually comprehend this fact. Like just the fact that God's power raised Jesus from the dead is wild to me. But then taking it a step further and realizing that that same power is alive in us, that's crazy. And what are we raised to? It says that we are raised into God's presence. So our eternal hope is set on the fact that one day we will be brought into the presence of God. But here's the reality. By default, we live like that doesn't matter. We live like we don't think about it. We live like we don't care about it. But what we see through the gospel is that Jesus secured this for us because he he saw how grim, how horrible our reality and our eternity was apart from him. And so even though he was the only person in all of history who didn't have to suffer, who didn't have to die, because he was, he was sinless, he was perfect, he didn't have to die, and yet he saw what we were headed towards, and he's like, no, I gotta step in, and I gotta do something. So he died for us, he took it on willingly, and through that, he secured our eternity. And this is such good news, because what we have earned on our own, apart from Christ, is death is eternal separation from God's goodness, mercy, and grace. But because of what Jesus has done, we are now invited into this eternity with him. With no separation, no barriers. And yet we live like that doesn't matter, like we don't care about it. Now, let me just show you a small glimpse of what this eternal communion with God looks like, because it's so hard for us to comprehend, and we won't experience that fully until eternity, but the Bible gives us some really awesome pictures into what that might look like. So in Revelation 21, 3 to 4, speaking of what eternity will be like, it says this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So here's what I see in this. Perfect unity. Perfect fellowship and relationship. God is with us, fully, completely. He dwells with us and we sit with him. And we can now experience the fullness of his goodness as our Lord and Savior and Father. And he has so much love for us. I also see in this passage that there's no more suffering. There's no more tears. There's no more grief. There's no more mourning. The former things have passed away. I don't know about you guys, 
But that gives me so much hope. I'm sure each of you in this room to some capacity have experienced grief and suffering, especially with how much has gone on in our world in the past year or two. But our hope can rest firmly in Jesus for those who have trusted in Christ. And the best part is we can have 100% full confidence that this will happen because Jesus went before us, because he was raised from the dead, because of his resurrection power that now extends to us. So Jesus has gone before us, and he has secured our eternity. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15 says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So here's the interesting thing about this verse. I had to kind of like sit on it and think about it for a while. But this verse actually says that it's for their benefit, for the Corinthians, living with this eternal mindset. And it's funny because I think there's actually a ton of wisdom in that that we don't recognize. So like how? How is that for their benefit? So living with an eternal mindset brings such a different outlook on our life. When our minds get stuck in the things of this world, whether that's schoolwork, career choices, relationships, finances, you name it, whatever it is, when our minds get stuck on those things, we become paralyzed and bogged down by what will only pass away, by what is a mile in the context of 13,000 times infinity. But when we set our minds on eternal things and live in light of eternity, it brings so much peace and joy and purpose and confidence because we know that there's something more, that this isn't the end of the story, that there's this beautiful, beautiful reality past this that we can have hope in and that Jesus has secured it for us. There's no chance that it's, it's going to pass away. Eternal reality is set. It also says that as more and more people understand and live in light of God's grace, that that causes thanksgiving to abound and that that brings glory to God. So ultimately, it's for our benefit and to God's glory that we live with this eternal perspective. And that is our future hope and reality. So if that's the, you know, far off, then what about the here and now? Because that doesn't mean that life isn't still hard and that we still don't struggle with things. So the second truth that we're going to look at tonight is that living with an eternal mindset changes how we measure growth and success in our lives. So in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We do not lose heart. In this lifetime, in the here, in the now, we live in this odd paradoxical state. You know, even though most of us here in this room are young and pretty healthy, our bodies are wasting away. My grandpa actually turned 82 years old on Tuesday, but a long, long time ago, many years ago, he was a track runner at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. He was fit, he was really strong, and he was full of life. But now, he struggles to walk, his life is sustained by 24-7 oxygen, and 
a vast, a lot of his memory is gone. Now, I will not, I was not, nor will I ever be a track star. You guys heard about how the Great Wall hike went for me. But if I'm still here in 60 years, God willing, my body will be in a very similar state to his. And so will all of yours. Our bodies are wasting away. And yet, our, it says our inner self, our spirits, are being renewed every day. So what does that mean? That's kind of odd language. What that means is that we're no longer enslaved to sin. Its power and its consequences don't have rule over our lives. So every day we can, by faith, turn from sin and be renewed by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can dwell in our hearts through faith, so that we can know him and experience him. It means that because of his mercy, we are gradually conformed to the image of God, and we see the, full, we see the fruit of compassion, of kindness, humility, meekness, forgiveness, love, just to name a few. We are being prepared for eternity. So while every day our bodies are weakening and moving closer to physical death, and things that we once thought were so important are passing away. At the same time, we're moving closer to Jesus. We're being made more like him, and we're more able to know and experience him. And that's what true growth and success is. And it's so countercultural. Like, this is not what society says. That it, society says wealth, you know, family, whatever it is. Society does not say this. But this is preparing you for a treasure that I promise you is worth it. So, are you living this way? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your heart and your mind every day? The third truth we're going to look at is this. Living with an eternal mindset heightens our view of God and empowers us to endure hardship. Verse 17 says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So I think this verse is kind of interesting, um, but I think it's really helpful to understand it within context. So keeping in mind, this is Paul who was talking. Paul, if you know anything about his life, he is no stranger to affliction and suffering. Just to name a couple of the things that he went through in his lifetime— he was in prison, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was robbed, he was hungry, he was thirsty. And that's just like a small portion of the list. So Paul, he is no stranger to suffering. And yet, he calls those things light and momentary, which is really interesting. Now, I don't think Paul is just trying to be tough and claim that he can handle all these things because he's invincible. And I also don't think he's implying that what he went through was easy, painless, or short-lived. Because they definitely, they definitely were hard, painful, and lasted a long time in the context of his lifetime. But what he is saying when he labels them as light and momentary, he's saying that in comparison to what Jesus suffered for us, in comparison to what we deserve, in comparison to the sustaining power of God's grace, in comparison to the eternal reality 
that is set before us, his afflictions are light and momentary. Now, that doesn't mean that at times life isn't excruciating and the things that we're going through aren't hard because they they really can be. But what it does mean that in comparison to what is before us, that they're light and they're momentary. So we do not lose heart. We can be encouraged in the midst of those things because those things prepare us for the eternal reality that is far beyond our ability to even comprehend or imagine. Now, if you're here tonight and you're kind of thinking to yourself, I'm not sure if these truths really apply to me. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I'm not really sure where I'm at with that. I have two things that I want to say to you. First, if you have trusted in Jesus' death on the cross to pay for your sins and you have submitted and surrendered your life to him, you can be sure. This is a promise and God's word is eternal and trustworthy. Second thing, if you're not a Christian, here's what I want you to hear tonight more than anything. I want you to hear that God wants you. I want you to hear that he loves you and that everything in your life you've experienced that feels lacking, that that's waiting for you in eternity. And there's a promise for you. And it's not about earning your way there or being good enough because none of us can earn our way there. And it's not, it's not puffy clouds and rainbows or anything like that that's portrayed in media. It's being in the presence of a father that loves you and wants you. And you're invited to this. So, taking a look at the mile, the mile we have left, what does this mean? So verse 18, it says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So this is Paul's encouragement and advice to us in the here and now. To not look to the things that are seen. To not let those things be the driving force behind our lives. Now these seen things, that could be a lot of different things. For Paul, it was hunger, persecution. It was status, maybe. For us, these seen things, it could be our grades, family struggles, relational struggles. The seen things could be comfort, seeking a high-paying job because we want to have a comfortable life. It could be living the day-to-day for yourself, seeking to gain success and recognition for yourself instead of for Jesus, for what makes you happy, for what you want to do, instead of investing your time in others for the sake of Jesus. So is Paul saying that none of these things matter, these things in our lifetime now, and that they're all inherently bad? No. But what he is saying is that those things are temporary. They will pass away. And instead of letting those things be in the front seat directing where you go and what you do, we should let the reality of eternity and the fact that Jesus has secured that for us, that should be in the front seat and that should direct where we go and what we do. 
Now, during college, um, I spent one of my summers, I decided to go on a summer mission to East Asia. Incredible experience. Um, and while I was there, I saw God do incredible things in my life and in the lives of other people as well. But the whole time I was there, if I'm honest, it was a battle to keep my eyes focused on these things that, that were unseen. I found myself constantly coming back to the things that were seen and fighting that. It was hot. I was tired. There was a lot going on. I missed home. But one day, I had a meeting set up with a girl named Layla. I think we have a picture up there. So Layla is on the far right. You'll have to excuse the funny filters. Those were like super in that summer. <laughs> but Layla's on the far right. Um, Layla has never heard about Jesus before at the time that I met her. And that's true for a lot of people in this country. Um, and I knew that. And I had a meeting set up with her. And I knew I had an opportunity to share with her what Jesus had done for her because she had never heard. But that morning, I was just like, oh, I don't want to. Like, I'm tired. I just want to go eat a chocolate bar or something. <laughs> like, that sounds more appealing to me. Um, and I was fixing my eyes on my comfort and my own preferences. But I'm a rule follower. So in not wanting to get in trouble and skipping my meeting, I showed up to this meeting with Layla. And gosh, God was working in incredible ways. He had been working in her heart and preparing her to hear the gospel. And as I had the opportunity to share with her what Jesus had done for her, like, guys, I wish I, I, wish I could have captured a picture of her face to show you, but maybe you know what I'm talking about. Just like this, this awe and this wonder of like, this is, are you telling me this is a real thing? You're telling me that God loves me and that I can have freedom from my sin and I can have eternity with Jesus like she she was in awe and it was so cool to see how God had brought her there and if I had fixed my eyes well I was fixing my eyes on what seen what was seen and luckily God was gracious to me but if we fix our eyes on the things that are unseen and on the things that are eternal God just does incredible things now, she didn't accept Jesus at that time, but I was able to connect her to the local team, and she was so excited to get a Bible and to read it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wish I had this much like value in my Bible. It's easy to be like, oh, I'll just put it on the shelf and it collects dust. But like, she was so excited to get this Bible and to learn more about Jesus. But in my short-sightedness and selfishness, that almost got in the way of that conversation happening. I was looking to the seen things, to the things that are temporary. Now instead, Paul tells us to look to the things that are unseen. Because those things are eternal. Those things last forever. This life we have is relatively very, very short. And because of our, in, our limited perspective and our inability to see, it can sometimes feel so long. Just like when I was walking that mile on the Great Wall of China, I was like, is this ever going to end? It felt so long, but in the context of 13,000 times infinity, it's so short. So we need to discipline our minds to remember that. We need to invite our community into that and constantly remind ourselves of this truth and help 
have them help us order our lives and our priorities around those things. So my encouragement to you is to take a look at your life and your priorities. Are you living for the here and the now or for eternity? What things are you investing your time and energy in? And what is your motivation behind that? Is it to bring glory to yourself or to bring glory to God? Is it to pursue comfort and happiness or to lay those aside so that others can know Jesus and experience eternity with us? So my hope is that as you consider this, you fix your eyes on Jesus and that we really would see that because eternity is long and our lives are short, we should live in light of what really matters. Now, not one of us is perfect. Not one of us has this completely figured out. Even as I was preparing for this, there were things in my life that I, I was convicted of. I was like, okay, I need to rearrange my priorities to set my mind and my heart on this. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us be in awe of the sacrifice he has made for us in the future that he has secured for us. And because of that, let that compel us to change. Not because of shame or guilt or feeling like I need to do better. My hope and prayer is that we, as Southern Colorado crew, that we would be people who fix our eyes on Jesus, who understand this beautiful reality of eternity that he has secured for us, and that we would live bold and passionate lives for Jesus' sake. Would you guys pray with me? Yeah, Lord, we confess that we can't see, that we can't understand, that we don't know what it is that you've done for us, that we don't think about it, that we don't order our lives and our priorities around that. Father, would you be gracious to us? Would you point out areas in our lives that, that we're not living in light of that? And God, would your grace and your mercy compel us to change? And not being better or shame or guilt, but the beauty of your sacrifice. Jesus, would your Holy Spirit empower us to do these things, and would you help us to be people who live in light of reality, in light of eternity, and not in light of the things that will pass away. God, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and mercy, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.